Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Kurt Landry. Kurt Landry is the founder of Kurt Landry Ministries. He and his wife, Christy, travel extensively, preaching the gospel and empowering families to apply the Word of God to everyday life. His focus is heavily in Israel, where he aims to bridge Israel and the church through providing safety and resources to those in need. Let's dive into the message. This is one of those messages that if if I only had one message I could preach and I knew it was the last one, this would be one of those types of messages. Uh, I'm going to personalize it because I'm going to share with you the way I received this message and this revelation is through my own personal struggle and, and journey. And so I want to talk to you about the key to success. If you would go in your Bibles, this is not on the notes, but if you would go to your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, and I didn't put it in the notes for Oklahoma City, and I didn't do it here, because I want you to highlight this, Joshua 1, verse 8. I also want to encourage you to, uh, I'm just going to challenge you, I'm going to encourage you to actually carry a Bible. I know it's great, you can have a whole Bible on your, any of your devices, but there's something different about carrying this. And one that, who travels, I always love the reaction I get particularly in places like they don't think I should be. I I love going into a bar and sitting down in the airport and opening up my Bible. It's amazing how much room I get to the right and to the left. I literally have people say, are you getting ready to preach? I said, well, if you'd like me to. And, uh, uh, but it's amazing the effect because this word is living and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword. Uh, there's also something about a boldness of not being ashamed of who you are and, and carrying the Bible. Uh, just try it. I think you'll like it. This is in the book of Joshua. When I first got saved, this was one of the first scriptures the Lord gave me, understanding that I came out of the world. I didn't get saved till I was 36. The year I got saved, the business venture I was in made $7.5 million. So at 36 years old, I was pretty comfortable in my ability to think that I knew how the world works because of, uh, of that, and I absolutely didn't know anything. But in my own mind, when you, when you reach those kind of goals at that young age, you think that, um, that you know something. And... Uh, Praise God that Jesus came into a bathtub and saved me, and, but one of the things I found out is I had to relearn everything I thought I knew. Uh, verse 8, 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Say to your neighbor, good success. How many know there's a difference between success and good success? See, I, I'm at a stage now, I'm only interested in good success. I'm not interested in prospering outside of God's will because any prosperity outside of God's will is high maintenance. It becomes a giant uh, nightmare. But things that come through God's ways and are always pure and pleasant, and, and they may be hardworking, but they don't bring uh, the confusion that man's fruit does. So I want to talk to you from that foundation of the key uh, to success in Psalms 127, 1 through 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and sit up late and eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. When we don't do things God's way and make him the Lord, then we labor in vain. That's it. It's not negotiable. He's the creator. We're the creation. When we don't operate according to the creator, we labor in vain. That, that's a fact. Okay? Now, a lot, of, a lot of us are born again. Our name's in the book, Spirit-filled. You're going to heaven. Praise God. But if you don't learn that lesson, when you come to the millennial reign of the thousand-year reign in Jerusalem, you'll have a pretty menial job because until you learn this, the Lord really can't use you. Because He's the Lord. I'm not talking about the Savior. I'm talking about Him as Lord. Hello. Many know Him as Savior, and praise God your name is in the book. But you have no authority and power on earth because you don't know him as in the Lord because you're not doing it his way. You're doing it what you think is your way. Are you enjoying today's podcast? This podcast and all of Miracle Channel's outreaches are made possible by our donors. Every day we receive incredible stories of lives being transformed by the truth of God's word. And none of it would be possible without the generosity of people like you. If you'd like to partner with us, please consider making a donation today. Your support will help us share the hope of Jesus across Canada and around the world. To donate online, simply visit miraclechannel.ca slash podcast or click the link in the show notes. Thank you for your support and together let's spread the message of hope far and wide. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but the fool despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, meaning that you can't just have wisdom, the wisdom of the fear of the Lord can create all sorts of spiritual fears, but wisdom of the 
knowledge, having foreknowledge or understanding of the fear of the Lord is called reverential fear, and that's what the Lord is looking for. The Lord is looking for those who have reverential fear, understanding we're not having a spirit of fear, but reverentially we honor Him. Say, honor the Lord. See, if you honor the Lord, then you will have knowledge to fear the Lord, and to fear the Lord means that it is foolish not to obey the Lord because the Lord created us. And He created all the earth, and in the earth, under the earth, and above the earth. Exodus 20 and 12, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That's a covenant statement. That's a courts of heaven statement. If you want the land that the Lord has given you, and you want to have authority over it, debt-free, and to be able to function over the assignment of the calling that are in the books of heaven manifesting on earth through your, your body, you're going to have to honor the Father. A lot of people love Jesus, but they're afraid of God the Father. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is love. And perfect love cast out all fear. And honor is the currency of heaven. And it starts with honoring the Father. You know, I really had to struggle... When I first got saved, and I started meditating on that scripture, I had difficulty because at that time, I had a good relationship with my adoptive father, Ray Landry, that raised me. But Ray Landry was a two-landing Guadalcanal Purple Heart Master Marine Sergeant that was abandoned not only as a child by his parents who were alcoholics that would leave him in his car, in a car in Rhode Island in the winter, while they were inside drinking. But then, when he made his second landing on Guadalcanal, the U.S. government abandoned him. And so, this is before post-traumatic stress and all those types of things. And in the process of that, he never, in my whole life, he never told me that he loved me. He also never told me that he was proud of me. And so when I started on my spiritual journey at age 36, and the Lord says, you have to honor your father, it was difficult because I thought, well, he's never really honored me. Now, how am I going to honor him? And I remember I stayed home from work one day, Christy and I, and we were home, and the TV came on. It was the History Channel, and it was on Guadalcanal. And they talked about how they abandoned the soldiers. And Christy and I both, our hearts broke and we prayed. And at that point, we made a decision to embrace and love Ray Landry because he really did love us. He really was proud of us. But because of his condition that never had been dealt with, he didn't know how to express it. And so we started to walk in honor with him. And then shortly after that, I was reconnected to my biological father, Joe McCaughey. And then on the other side, he was one that if you're on the phone, he would have told you he loved you five times on the phone. 
And uh, he must have told me how proud he was of me, you know, a thousand times in the 16 years I got to enjoy his company. But it doesn't really matter because I remember when I did my adoptive father, Ray Landry's funeral, how all the people in the community where he lived would, uh, that were at the funeral, and I was the preacher, and I got up and, and, I, and I preached his funeral and was honored to be able to do it. And I don't know how many of them came up to me and said, your dad talked about you all the time. He was so proud of you. See, that was his heart. But he couldn't communicate it for whatever reason. But you cannot let the dishonor or the lack of honor or the lack of expression of your earthly father to distract the relationship of your heavenly father. Because your heavenly father is always telling you he's proud of you. He's always telling you that he loves you. In fact, he corrects you because he loves you. He's directing you because he loves you. But, but get past that. Get past that filter of saying, well, if I, because so many of us, some of us have good father experiences, some exceptional father experiences like Megan Marcelino, but, um, <laughs> but very few are that fortunate to have, you know, that kind of modeling that was right under Jesus and in, in just right there. Yeah, number three. So, but, um, but the Lord also resists the proud, so I'll go back to my message. But we understand that it's not about, it's not about expression, it's a fact. It's a currency. It's honoring Father God. And it's honoring your earthly father and your earthly mother and honoring your children. Are you hearing me? You need to honor your children. Your children don't always uh, um, behave well, particularly when they go through that rebellious stage, if they go through it. But you need to honor your children and they'll honor you. When God sends you that seed into your life, you're responsible for that seed as long as you live. And I speak that because we got Thanksgiving coming and we're coming around the table and we're with family and there's issues. Don't let anything disrupt that table. These are your parents, these are your children, these, this is your spouse, these are your, your family members, and don't let anything steal the glory of coming together at that table. Don't let the devil win. And even though people have hurt you, and, and, and rightfully so, they, they robbed from you, they stole from you, they, all these negative things and all these things, but there has to be a place because one of the currencies, the highest, purest currency of heaven is forgiveness. And I want to say this to the men, real men forgive. If you really want to be tough, you need to walk in forgiveness. Proverbs 4, 6, and 7. Do not forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. You've, you've got to get understanding. It's interesting. The Lord, uh, Dr. Benefield, pointed this out, that 
the thrust of this message is Psalm 118.8. It's better to trust in the Lord than put your confidence in men. And it's interesting, the Lord had me preach this on 11.18.18. And I shared with them the way I really struggled with this message was right after I got saved, I got introduced to a, a preacher and uh, I got introduced to him by going to a conference in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma called the, the Azusa Conference. And it was there at the Maybe Center and thousands of people were there. And at that time, uh, I was one of the few white people in this conference. And, uh, but the Lord had me go there because I had been listening to a young preacher that came out of Virginia. His name is T.D. Jakes. And... Uh, and that's where I was being fed. And one of the things that Bishop Jakes preaches, and I struggled with so, so badly, was the fact that he said, no man, no demon, nothing on earth can steal your destiny or your blessing from God. And I could say just like some of you, amen, that's right, that's right. But even though I said it, I had head knowledge of it, but I didn't believe it in my heart. And the reason I knew I didn't believe it in my heart is that every time man would fail me, I would get offended with the man, and I would think in my heart, I can't believe these people would do this stupid thing. Can't they see it's holding back the whole kingdom of God? It's holding back my whole calling, their calling, and their purpose. Why, why would they do this? It's biblical. Here's the biblical mandate of what we are to do. I'm presenting it to them, and they're saying no over and over and over again. And literally having Christian organizations make false accusations against us and trying to get us out of ministry because of anti-Semitism. It was a brutal uh, experience, I can tell you. Now, I praise God for it now because when I asked the Lord and I prayed, I said, listen, what Bishop is preaching, I just, I want to be able to own it. And the Lord said, fine, the only way I can get you to own it is to put your confidence in God above your confidence in man. And what that really means is that when you have your confidence in God, then you realize that no man can get you off track with God. So it doesn't mean that you can't have confidence in the men and women that God brings you together as a team because we go out two by two and, and, and this, this is about multiplication and unity. But you need to come to a mature understanding that every man, woman, and child in this room, including me and on this network, is absolutely going to fail you because we cannot be perfect because the perfect one hung on a cross for us. But we have to be able to get to a place where we're not offended when people don't meet the agreements that we make, the covenants that we make, and the expectations. So I want to take you on a little journey to show you how important this is to the Lord, and the answers are on the screen, but I'll ask you the question, so this is a little cheat sheet so you can respond, but what is the shortest chapter in the Bible? Man, you guys don't even do good cheating. <laughs> I wasn't saved in high school. We used to cheat on the test, not because we didn't want to study, just to see if we could get away with it. And we did. 
We had to have some entertainment. It's called rebellion. What is the longest chapter in the Bible? Thank you, Psalm 119. Which chapter is in the center of the Bible? Psalm 118. Biblical facts for 300. There are 594 chapters before Psalm 118, and the fact is there's 594 chapters after Psalm 118. Add these two numbers up and you get what? A very smart congregation. So your final question is, and this is for the double jeopardy, what is the center verse in the Bible then? Does this verse say anything significant about the perfect will for our lives? The next time someone says that they would like to find God's perfect will for their lives and that they want to be in the center of his will, just send them the center of his word, Psalm 118.8. Would you say it with me? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's the key to wisdom. And it's really the key for me for Thanksgiving. That's just me. So we grew up in 1,200 square feet in Los Angeles. There was five in our family. Most of our family was Catholic, so my other cousins had 10 kids, so that's 12. We had two cousins' families with 10 kids each, so that's 25. Our other cousins had six. And we'd all end up in 1,250 square feet for Thanksgiving at the Landry's house, which we referred to as the YMCA because we had a pool. And those were great memories. We'd go out in the street and play football and baseball, whatever we wanted, in between all the cars. Have to stop in the middle for traffic to come through. Why our parents let us run in between parked cars we used the back of cars like blockers to be able to catch over the trunk in the football. Those were great times. But I also remember that there were times when there was a lot of arguments. Because why? People demanded that people believed and understood what they thought had, they had to be right. And when those special times became unspecial is when people would argue over defending their own opinion. And you know, you need to respect others' people's opinions so that you have your opinion, my opinion, and our opinion. Is this helping anyone? You know, destroying a relationship over having to be right over your opinion. Even when your opinion is right, it's better to humble yourself and be wrong and maintain the relationship in your family.
because the Lord's going to put a demand on you to reconcile with him because it's your seed. Ecclesiastes 2.26. For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is God, um, who is good in his sight. I want you to really hear this. God gives wisdom and knowledge. God gives. There's a gift. Okay? So the good man is over here. And what does the good man get? He gets wisdom and knowledge as a gift. So if you're having Thanksgiving and the Lord shows up, the good people get wisdom and knowledge. Nobody can see it. He just comes in as a good father, lays hands on him, and says, I release wisdom and knowledge. Now look what the, the sinners get. But then to the sinners he gives the work of gathering, collecting, that he may give him who is uh, good before God. This is also vanity, gasping at wind. So what's he give over here to the sinner? Stuff. What's the lesson? When your heart is focused on sin, you hide behind stuff. When your heart is focused on righteousness, you hide behind the wisdom and knowledge of God. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.